Hello world, this is Better Tech, a podcast where we chat with some of the most successful leaders about the latest industry developments. So join us as we explore the world reliant on tech. Hello everyone, I'm Umair. I am uh, hosting this podcast on behalf of Better Tech and I have two very cool gentlemen with me uh, who are <laughs> actually some big shots in the air world. Let's see what they tell us today about uh, AI and IoT. That the, the topic of discussion today is around uh, AI and IoT and the convergence of the two fields. So I have with me Doug Thompson and Dr. Shazad. I let these gentlemen introduce themselves, and we take our discussion from there. So how about you, Doug? You go first. Sure. Thanks. I'm uh, Doug Thompson. Is is Umair uh, mentioned? I work for Microsoft. I'm a my my. Permanent role is, or not permanent role, but my main role is a technology strategist. So I work with uh, CIO, CTOs, business leaders and stuff. And okay, what's the strategy of how you can use technology to solve your business problems? So I sort of live in this weird world where I speak technology on one hand, I speak business on the other, and I have to sort of translate the two between them. So mainly I use my storytelling skills to sort of get these messages across. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, as, as you may mention, I'm an AI ambassador, which sort of I go around and talk to people about our Microsoft strategy, about artificial intelligence, sort of what we envision uh, that to be and how it can be utilized in business. So, Doug, you, you, you went first and uh, introduced yourself. How about you, Dr. Shazad? Yeah. Uh, so I'm I'm Shasta Sim and I'm uh, um, uh, by, by the way thank you Mer, for inviting me and nice to meet you Doug. Um, I am based in Munich. Uh, currently I'm working as a lead data scientist um, at uh, IBM. Um, in Munich uh, there is a global headquarter for IoT. So what's an IoT? Uh, I have been uh, involved in the field of AI in different roles in academia, in research, then in startup, then in enterprise and then landed into IBM a few years ago. So somehow I'm involved in AI since 2003 when I started teaching. Um, and it's, it's great to be here. So these days I'm typically working as a um, technical lead on several projects. Uh, and then my role also then becomes talking to, on one hand, our technical machine, uh, technical team, and then on the other hand also um, talk to the, to the clients and uh, executives to translate uh, the business requirements to the technical side and also explain what are, let's say, the limitations um, on the on the technical side. You mean you can't uh, do everything? I mean, that's what they always ask me. It's they watch <laughs> too many movies, you know, it does everything. <laughs> I guess you, for, for, as I said earlier, for all practical purposes, you guys can treat me as a fly on the wall and talk talk among yourself. Here's an IoT guy, here's an, here's an AI ambassador. So what am I doing over here? But let's 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 make myself useful a bit. So so guys, so guys, why don't you tell tell us that what this all about artificial intelligence and IoT these days? What is this? What are the two fields? How they converge? I'll I'll defer to the the most educated person on the call here because uh, <laughs> he's teaching it every day. Okay, th- thanks. But I, I think I'll, I'll take it. Um, <clears throat> I, I, I think it's, uh, I, let's take AI first. Mm-hmm. So AI is this overarching concept of uh, intelligent automation started from simulation of human brain and soon later, uh, let's say, realize that it's not that easy to just, you know, and it's not sometimes even worthful to do that. So eventually over history, AI has emerged into, let's say, the machine learning, data mining, the deep learning, so technically, I would call it AI is then the science 
that is more about dealing with this intelligent automation machinery. Of course, having some concepts for robotics and so on. Uh, on the other hand, then IoT, IoT was more or less there. There were devices all the time and they were communicating. However, um, the last, let's say 10, 15 years, what we have seen common in two fields is that the, the computation power, you know, the clouds that are available, the GPUs that are there, the new protocols of communicating on the IoT side. And that uh, brings then us, you know, the two fields together. On one side, we have the hardware side, the devices side, the communication, uh, the protocol of communication, uh, the amount of data those devices are transferring. And on the other side, we have the, the dream of making a one universal world where things talk to each other in intelligently, autonomously. Now, even the complex algorithm where AI started, for example, for those neural networks uh, and stopped, now they are even possible to, let's say, you know, kind of reconsider and re-implement. So this is what I would consider like that. It's not really as one field, but on the other hand, both of them are really taking the advantage of uh, um, technology development uh, last uh, one, one decade. Um, what would you say, Doug? Yeah, no, I, I would agree with that. And you know, AI is such an expansive term and field. You know, it, it goes from, uh, like I said, the IoT. Uh, IoT needs AI to be, to be really useful simply because the amount of data that you have to go through, because it, it would take a human many, many lifetimes. There's not enough humans on the planet, I think, to digest all the signals coming from IoT today. You just, you just can't physically do it. It's too time consuming. So machine learning, is, as he mentioned, is, is a great thing to do where you can train these things to consume vast amount of data and come up with something coherent uh, that humans can then understand or, or make some significant out of data out of. But I, again, IOT has been out there for, for years, sensors in a refinery, you know, uh, the automatic light switch that comes on. These are all things that are connected. I even had a coworker to put his hot tub on the internet just simply because he could, it was thought it was a cool thing to do, but your, your thermostats, everything is, is getting connected today, which gives us a lot of opportunity to get insight and be, a little more intelligent in how we do things that we didn't have before because you just couldn't do it. You know, you manage things with a spreadsheet or something like that. It's just not, you know, not really feasible. So what, what, what we are here, what I'm hearing in journal that with the, with the everyday use of now these sensor based devices that now also have an added ability to transmit data. And because these are sensors which are picking data every second and, and, and that there is tons of data out there. And now we are getting all this data. So it's, it's not humanly possible to probably process it. And that's where AI comes in. So Correct. the mixture of this uh, sensor-based uh, networks and uh, ability of new AI algorithms is actually giving rise to this interesting AI and IoT kind of convergence phenomena. So is this a correct uh, understanding of? Yeah, that's, that's a great correction. Uh, that's a great um connection of those things. And also the, the public cloud, the availability of this cloud scale, hyperscale infrastructure now that can take that in and do something with it. Because before, you know, you had to buy storage and, and storage is still expensive. And, and these things to store all this data that you could really not use much of. So what didn't really make a lot of, you know, you took the little bits that you needed, maybe a light switch is on or off, and you left all this other stuff out that was relevant. I'll use an example of like a smart building. You know, you set the AC in, in a room and you look, but you can't tell necessarily if it's occupied all the time or based on a schedule or what's the rooms next to it's going to be. So there's all this other data that wasn't really important. You simply chose, is it occupied or is it not? 
right? And and that didn't that gave you a little bit of pro, you know uh, ability to control things a little bit better, but it didn't give you everything that you needed to be really smart about it. So so kind of you touched upon uh, the next part that I wanted to ask that why. I, why AI and IoT and why AI and IoT now? So you you mentioned that because some of the new advances in tech and all that, uh, we we are now able to process a lot of data as well as uh, our processing power, our ability to capture that data has increased and that has given rise to that. So I mean, if you two gentlemen can, can kind of think of what is the kind of key uh, think of maybe one tech or maybe a series of tech or key events that has taken place that has made these fields explode or at least led us to believe that these uh, these are exploding fields because AI here, it was here for like since like 50 past 50 60 years IoT is a fancy name of now uh, devices talking I mean we we had been talking to devices for such a long time. So why, what, what do you think such a key turn of events that has taken place that everyone is talking about it now? So I think Doug already mentioned one part and that is of course the, the cloud as a service, which made life a lot easy, storing of the data, managed services, um, so that uh, you know the businesses they they can just take advantage of what is available there. They don't have to build everything from scratch and it's getting cheaper over time. But before that, I think where it came from, I think one big part is this digitization internet that the business and the consumer and the platform, um, a lot of data started being collected. I mean, in industries and in classical businesses, it's still like, you know, we are in the middle there. It's kind of middle ages. It's still not at that stage where we have in the consumer market that the data is very well digitized. So I think one part of that is internet. Uh, and digitization then the second part is of course the cloud as a service and then the third part from technology side is uh, uh, on top of Moore's law and classical CPUs the, the GPUs and uh, because that then allowed us to process a lot of um, unstructured data and that unstructured data kind of created this wow moment uh, from computer vision from voice from text NLP so I, I, I see them at least these are, I would say these three are the, the major part because other problems, like I think if you, maybe we go later on about robotics, they still have those challenges, which were there 20 years ago or 50 years ago. But these three um, actually led to um, a, a lot of um, development in, the, in this area. Mm -hmm. And no, I would agree, and it, you know, sort of economy of scale that you get to do things. So now it's more affordable to do things. Sensors and stuff are, are really cheap just because of mass manufacturing. And, and like I said, but then also I'd say the, <clears throat> you, you sort of hit upon it earlier is that now I can go to some place that's got a, a model, a data model already written that accomplishes what I want to do. So I don't necessarily have to have a data scientist on staff per se to go do something. Now we're allowing, what's really great about this is now we're actually allowing business decision makers to go out and do their own research because it's, it's, it's still difficult, it's still complex. But in the way that you package servers like computer vision, if I, you know, that, which is such a great utility, we have a computer vision service to an Azure that we, that we do when we train and you can do things like search through unstructured data. You can do written text, you can do type text, you can do voice to text. And there's all this data and rich stuff that you can get down into to something that I don't necessarily have to create. I don't have to have my IT department to go do that. 
And I can simply go out, if I got a credit card, I can go to any of the cloud vendors and subscribe and go do this on myself. I see it in research all the time. So, so um, I, I guess you uh, gentlemen have touched upon two things. One is uh, that why uh, someone can, why, why it's now more possible for um, general computer scientists or people to go and do AI, uh, uh, which was not possible in the past. But I guess, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, you've also touched upon that with the, uh, with the possibility of this edge computing and with uh, this 4G, 5G networks coming in where you can, I mean, transmit a lot of data uh, through uh, wireless mechanisms and then your ability to process that data in the cloud. Do you guys feel that these are, worth, these are the three key ingredients that is actually helping AI and IoT uh, to explode. Uh, you know, access to getting more data is always good. You, we can now with this, with this, we can go to places where we previously couldn't collect data, very remote places, if you will. And, and I look at sort of how 5G, 4Gs transform the way things are done in Africa, emerging markets and stuff where they don't have, which was sort of an interesting thing that I run into is if you go to a, con a country that ha that hasn't, been doing technology for decades and decades, they can actually do things faster than the more developed because they don't have this reliance and long tail on the existing infrastructure. So they can start from scratch and adopt things. And there's also regulations and stuff, which, which also come into play, but, it, but it does sort of democratize getting data mm -hmm. a lot more, but it also, I think is going to introduce a lot of, and we can talk about this in a minute because it's important is how do you secure all these endpoints? You know, the data in the cloud's fairly secure. That's easy to do, easy in an IT way. But securing the endpoints, and a lot of these sensors are out here, weren't developed from a security standpoint. Is you it know? really, uh, I just, I'm just, I just, I'll just let you guys talk about it, but is this easy to secure or is it just a feeling? Because we are giving our data to the clouds and these clouds, I mean, we understand that. So let's, let me pick a company which is not here, which is Google. So they have all the data that we have. Or the Facebook, they have all the data. There. I mean, it's in the cloud, but they, they know everything about us. So the more data is getting in the cloud, don't you think they're, we, we may feel that secure, but it also has a lot of privacy and other concerns that is coming into play as well with all that. Yeah, the, the privacy is, is a, and especially for, for us, is a huge concern for us in that we, we to go to great links to protect our customers' data, mm -hmm. and you know, uh, and the, what we collect. You know, again, the, the consumer-facing companies collect a lot of stuff. You know, Apple knows more about me than I would necessarily care to do, but it's always a trade-off between, okay, do I want to use this something usable, make my life better, and trade some stuff off? So I, I like to perceive that I'm protecting myself with long passwords, and no, I don't necessarily do things and don't do the cookie type thing, but I know. If there was a, if there's a, there's enough of my data out there in bits and pieces at some, at some point in time, somebody uh, like Shazan there's going to come up with an algorithm which can assemble all that stuff and come up with a virtual me, which is a concern. But you look at the youth today, they don't even think anything about it. Yep, click through these agreements and they share so much stuff. I mean, the the whole TikTok uh, stuff that's going on right now is sort of a proof of that. Who's who's got control of the data? That is, that the privacy and security of that, yeah, it, it's a concern. Once it's in the cloud, it's fairly easy to concern if you do best practices and, uh, to protect. But in transit and at the point it's being transmitted, those are big risk risk factors. And then you can contaminate the data upstream. 
And exactly. And I, I will add, I think it, it's a very good point that first thing is like, are, is it a, a consumer company? Are we going to use your data or not? And I think Microsoft is also not in that domain mostly and similar IBM anyhow not. So once we talk with the client that you already know, okay, we are not going to do anything with this data anyhow. Um, that's one thing. Second is how you provide your service of cloud. Because IBM is also, you know, providing a lot about, let's say, private cloud, hybrid cloud, and public cloud. So you can have, of course, all private cloud uh, uh, or on-prem for yourself if your organization wish to do that. Um, so that's also one way to, let's say, secure your, um, you know, your concerns about data from a cloud provider. Uh, um, nevertheless, the cybersecurity connectivity, especially in IoT, is still a topic, um, and there are definitely use cases where um, I would say uh, it's always um, um, a, it's always a new because in AI, um, I, I would disagree uh, uh, with talk that um, there is still like it's a lot of problems. Like we have many services, uh, mm -hmm. um, but in, even in vision, I mean, okay, face detection, we are done mm -hmm. nearly. We can detect the face on cameras, on cloud, any machine. OCR, maybe we are not done, but once we are trying to solve a problem, there's still part of those problems that need a customization. So we are like, mm -hmm. we are not done with AI automation, mm -hmm. but uh, on cloud, um, uh, there are parts which we can use, like, uh, and that's what kind of consumer companies do. Like they, are, they try to solve more generic problems, like, you know, people detection, fashion recognition, they're more generic problems mm -hmm. than industrial problems. Um, and then that's why uh, when industries, uh, very core industries, uh, they go to cloud, um, it's typically a new and it's not always reusable for any other purpose anyhow. So, so we don't disagree that much about that thing because there's still, <laughs> you know, I, I'm talking about if I'm going down to get my, my, uh, my, the ice cream pop down at the store, which comes in a bag, that's fine. I got that. If I want to create a craft ice cream, then we need people like you that can sort of do that because it always gets down to if, if I'm doing a commodity data type thing, yeah, then that may stuff may be there. But if I'm really trying to improve a business or get extra insights, then you definitely need, you need somebody there that knows what they're doing to match that to what the outcome is supposed to be. So you guys have already answered my next question, but let me still, still for the sake of question, putting it over here. <laughs> so, so I mean, uh, I, I just wanted to fig figure out where the trend of AI and uh, related uh, job creation and everything is going because as I see, uh, as you guys, as you gentlemen are talking about cloud, I mean, uh, the way uh, Azure, Amazon, Google, they are coming up with services, it's becoming to, to, a, to a layman or probably an uh, everyday computer guy. It seems like that very soon it's going to be AI as a service. So we probably do not need uh, very highly qualified PhD, although in a small amount to create new algorithms and all that. But is this, uh, I mean, the bigger companies are, I'm sure they're trying to take us to that stage where they want to make us depend on them for everything in the service model. But will we ever get there where we are in that journey? And uh, you kind of answer that we still need people like Dr. Shazad, but uh, where we are with that journey and where AI and AI, its knowledge and everything is democratized. and 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 is it a good thing that everything is getting in the cloud and it's being offered as a service, which means only a few have uh, a knowledge to that knowledge base and everything, how, how things work and the rest are just dependent on that. I mean, in terms of a field, how you feel about that? I think I love this topic by the way, because <laughs> when I was programming in 2003, I was building neural network myself in C++, in MATLAB, layers, 
how they are defined. And it was, I mean, there was no Python psychic, no, no library. When I was programming back in 2010, then of course there was Python and life was easy, but still you had to do a lot of work algorithms. When I'm programming in, let's say 2018, oh, there is pipeline and I put things together. Life is much easier. But on the other hand, there, there is always like new challenges and there are a lot of new challenges, you know, I can, I can say. So it, it, it's just like that we are phasing out and things become more uh, um, democratized, but then there are next values that you can, for example, computer vision, com quantum and these types of topics, they are not done deal yet, even though you can make a lot of use of them. So I, I see that, yes, it's like, it's kind of getting democratized. Uh, over the time, there is still auto ML type of thing. So the, the, the program that I used to write down, let's say uh, in one month, I can now use best practice and do it in one day or even one hour. Um, uh, but on the other hand, then there are the industry is also so much. And sometimes the problems have other issues that were not there in that time or not envisioned at that time, uh, which are now present here. So um, I would say, uh, it's uh, it's uh, like uh, that there is a lot that is being automated. This is the natural way, mm -hmm. anyhow. But the the, uh, the the part where we have the problem requirement and translate them to a certain uh, a machine learning framework or automation framework that is still open and someone has to do, typically a human. Um, um, just to give you an example, I made one case where we automated the kind of one of the largest routing network for shipments in the world right, for our logistic industry. And we did not, uh, I, I can't say how much of machine learning we use, but it was really a small part. Uh, a huge part of that is modeling, and that modeling is more operation research type of related. So there is a whole part of transforming the problems to a framework uh, where then we automate them. And then the next challenge is at the end of site, the end-to-end -end deployment. Uh, it's mm -hmm. it's uh, like, and then how to keep those uh, features alive, how to make uh, AI applications in such a way that uh, um, it's, it's not dead, they are learning, they are improving mm -hmm. over time. So these two areas are still, uh, I would say, much open in more or less in any application. No, I, I would agree. And, and it's, we're, we're not working, if, if you're a data scientist today, you don't have to be worried about working out of a job because somebody's automated some things on the back end. There's, like, it, it's, it's about constantly learning and evolving when you sort of hit the edge of what can be done from a commodity standpoint. That's where very smart people come in and solve these problems. You know, from the democratization standpoint, it does give these smaller companies and startups it removes one of the barriers to entry that used to be there, simply the ability to have all this infrastructure in place, the capital expense and everything that went with that, and, and necessarily hundreds of, of uh, you know, Dr. Shazad's working for them and all that cost that comes along with it, where if they have a business idea to do something, they can then go and, and, and you know, with, with less resources, go develop a strategy and a business product that they can go forward to do. Now, as they grow and stuff, then again, you, you're cutting the edge. It's a competitive advantage. What can I use to go do and beat my competitors at these things? Um, so, so it is, it's sort of a, you know, there's a, there's a balance. And, and as I, I mentor some master's students at university of Texas here and you know, they're, they're very extremely, you know, <laughs> first time they had me go talk to them, I'm looking at the resumes and I'm having to look up every third word. Cause I mean, they're just extremely bright at what they do, but it still comes back down to, as we said, humans talking to other humans about what we do best. We get creative about it. <coughs> and, and you know, the, you can get 
AI can only get so creative at this point. It, they're more, we're, we're still a long ways away from the singularity. If you're from, you know, if you go back in time to that, we're still a long ways away from that, but we're infinitely closer than we were a decade ago to do. But, but as we know more, there's more to learn. Yeah. I mean, we, at this point in time, we all have only our opinions about it. Let's see. <laughs> uh, there, there is a, there's a Terminator camp and then there is uh, other campuses that yeah. we are far away. Okay. So, uh, um, by the way, Umar, I have an opinion. It's not, there's no, don't, no, no worries. Robots are not coming right away next door. <laughs> so I think it will take but, but, quite but, but, some. I, but you see, my, my point of view on all that is that if you can think about something, mm -hmm. that can happen. And, and, and you, and, and I mean, flying in the air was a fantasy mm -hmm. 200, 300 years ago. So, yeah. uh, Running in a car, maybe it's a fantasy. I mean, I, who knew? 60 years back, we couldn't actually imagine that the cars can drive on their own. And these fantasies are are becoming more and more reality. So I guess we should be prepared. If we can think of something, we we can eventually get that. Uh, so so one question is that in terms of now organizations preparedness, and I was uh, I was stumbled upon some. IBM's paper where they said that there, there was a, there is a, was an era of uh, era of digital transformation and now from a digital organization we are moving more towards the cognitive organization or cognitive transformation. So is it just a marketing thing? I I, I feel that the companies are still stuck in the digital transformation era and uh, they are not even being able to do that. So what what you guys have an opinion on that? That are um, how how this ice age of transformation, digital transformation is going to end and we'll move to the next when, when it's going to happen. Since you mentioned IBM, so I take the chance <laughs> to, do, you know, to you know, in, in, in our defense. Uh, I think it's, it's, a, it's like, yes, the, uh, the different industries are at different stage of digitization. Think about insurance industry. They are way have you know, banking sector, uh, but then there are manufacturing industry. They are somewhere in the middle and then there are different countries, different you know, subsectors. So uh, a lot has been done on digitization, uh, but what is not done is like, okay, how to then take an advantage of that? Uh, and that is where this cognitive transformations come that, uh, I mean, think about like, uh, you know, COVID situation, right? Um, um, we have, uh, we, we cannot move as human and we just have to stay home, but we still need, you know, PPEs, we still need many equipment, we still need supplies, we have the whole requirements of manufacturing which means there is a genuine uh, need to automate many of the tasks and, um, in, in manufacturing, just to, to, as an example. Uh, that is not yet there. I mean, a lot of that is yet to be automated uh, with this cognitive transformation. So I would say this is, I would say a huge open area for organizations at the moment. So that's how I see that. Maybe we are kind of in the middle or some organization at the end. Only few are in the very beginning in at least in Europe or uh, US, I would assume, or you know, West side. Um, but cognitive transformation, based on my daily experience, it's like the whole management has to go through this. You know, they have to understand how AI works. I mean, when we start projects and typically you are used to say, okay guys, here are functional requirements. How much time? Four months, three months, two months. And, uh, uh, and th then it's an AI application and you say, okay, we will first do a feasibility, then we will do a proof of concept, and then we will do a minimum viable product. And then we are not even sure. And that's a whole transformation of mind. I, I, I can vouch for that. We are not even sure about <laughs> that because we, we have an AI team. And then we talk to our customer that we, will, we are not sure that even we will be 
ever going to give you a solution or not <laughs> everything becomes uh, a different it's, it becomes a different ball game so so yeah I, I can i can understand that but are the frameworks emerging like we know how the software development life cycle works i mean we have we knew it for ages now we kept on improving it the iterative model comes the agile model comes and what not we know what our functional requirements are so is the frameworks are emerging how to take up for an organization to become an, a cognitive organization how how the projects ai projects should be uh, the ai iot let's say project should be dealt with uh, and uh, are the companies do the companies have a focus on that or not or they are just right now in the phase where they are just creating technology and this will come later yeah i I, I actually have a whole thing that I do on, on transformation digital transformation. The technology is the smallest part of it. It's in result. Mm -hmm. It's the organizational change and the mindset that has to change to really do this because you're fundamentally disrupting who has control of the data, who can see the data and what they can do with the data. And, and if you're not sort of giving that access to people all along the business line and being very transparent about how it's being used, what we're doing with it and where we're going, all you're simply doing is making maybe a little bit of improvement in the routing structure or, you know, you, you, you make, you start making these incremental changes at a certain point, you know, automating manufacturing, like that, that does a really good job up to a certain point. And then the, the, you know, the growth or the speed and improvement drops off a lot. If you don't change the whole organization the way to think about it, the way they do, they do things, who has access to it, what they can, you know, who can, do things that's that's the real change that's got to take place and I think that goes with the cognitive piece of it as well it ties into the human piece of that and how we rethink how we've done business all this year right so so gents because this is a kind of a podcast on AI and IOT uh, one last question where do you see the field is going in the next in the next five years ten years maybe I'll let both of you take a stab on it one one after another I I see it continued on exponential growth again because as you get more sensors and people start adopting more of this there's going to be more and more data out there you've got the compute power still going up we, we haven't hit the boundaries of what's available from the from the you know we're, we're not is, 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 we don't need quantum yet but eventually we will we'll reach that point where we just can't compute enough where we need the compute to do it is there a magic application that we are pursuing or magic uh output or, or maybe a milestone that we are pursuing uh, that will help us understand where we are today, where we need to get. I, you know, it, it's the, the growth is, uh, as I've mentioned before we started, there was a, there was an article that came out June of last year that there's 4.41.6 billion IOT devices and they'll be generating 79 zettabytes of data by 2025. I think that's on the low side, to be honest with you. But I can't even fathom that number. It's so big. <laughs> that's a lot of zeros, as you were mentioning earlier. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I think exactly. So it's like if, if we have autonomous cars. So I think that would be one of the test case for us. Yeah. Uh, okay, when are we going to see those cars running and then being reutilized uh, within a decade? So that's a good, uh, I would say, a decent estimate. Yeah. Uh, and I agree with, uh, with Doug that it will just continue the way it was last one decade. I mean, a couple of decades, we have seen an exponential growth in AI and that uh, I hope it will continue. And if that continues, then I'm very, I would say very hopeful that we see, let's say that benchmark that, okay, cars are, you know, running autonomously on the roads, at least where they are needed. 
you know, we don't have to run it everywhere. That's also mm -hmm. another topic. Um, but um, so, so that's what I see. And also from IoT point of view, I think it's also that's if, because you, we also mentioned somewhere 5G network. Of course, there will be some decisions that have to be taken, um, you know, when and where this investment would make sense, who is going to do this type of, uh, um, you know, investments in the innovation uh, once we are reaching to, you know, our boundaries of current infrastructure. So that will be kind of precondition um, um, to, to go to, let's say, next stage of um, uh, achievements. So all I can get is that seems like there could be exciting times ahead where more and more automation is coming in and more and more science fiction stuff is going to happen. Uh, so, so let's keep our finger crossed. My team always tells me, to try to close stuff in 30 minutes. That's the longest attention span that you can, but I let you guys uh, talk to each other if there's any question or any comment that you want to put in over here. I'm done, kind of done with my questions. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I appreciate the opportunity to come in and, and nice to meet you, Shazad. You're doing some great work over there. I, I, I pay attention to what IBM's doing. It's There's a lot of co-opetition that goes on between our companies to do that. So it's 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 always fun. But it's exciting, you know, may you live in exciting times, I think is the old quote, or interesting times. And, and I definitely say we do that. To make that next, where you talk about the autonomous cars, the big thing holding it back now, other than, you know, the rural areas and the infrastructure stat, is that I don't want to let go of the steering wheel. That is my car. So it is a human problem. That's the inertia. That is blocking That's a lot of this stuff. Behavior Yes, yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, exactly. I think the, the human element is still maybe we can talk a bit about it and it's also about skills because yeah. i think uh, uh, as we see um, the industry that is running the business now much of that industry is used to let's say the old methods you know they started their career before the computer was there and then their computers then there are computers then there is internet then there is i don't know digitization then so it's a huge you know things are changing so fast that the management uh, and the c levels have to i think do a lot to cope with that and also, I think take some risks, and maybe Doug would so say guys, more I, I about guess, it. I guess this is no different from when we change from manual gears to automatic gears, and yeah. it, it, people people took their time. But what 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 I've seen, and and, and that uh, one of your comments actually uh, flashed that idea, uh, flashed that thought in my mind that a change will take its time, but we never knew that a pandemic like COVID will accelerate. Uh, digital eruptions so fast. So I mean, this is a yeah. I mean, this is a different world where uh, yeah, yeah. you're exactly right. I fought, so I work in the education space a lot, and and I fight, I fought for years. You need to enable remote learning. You need to. You know, oh no, we don't. You know, we got time. We got these other things. What amazed me was once they had to do it. Once they were forced to, they couldn't go because we've always done it that way, or there's this or that. You know, the excuses that come up. They put in the work to turn things around in a matter of weeks that, you know, they've been putting off for years. So the capability is there once the human mind is sort of willing to let go of what they're, you know, get out of their comfort zone and know they need to do it's something. The control. That was phenomenal. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's the control, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, Shazad, you want to say any last comments before? We... Uh, uh, yeah. No, th thank you very much. And uh, uh, that, that has been a really great discussion. Uh, um, really enjoyed and uh, yeah, meeting to you also, Doug. Uh, yeah, so, so I would say I just add last comment. 
uh, and because Mukumar knows that when I was also teaching and we had exactly this kind of uh, <laughs> issues. I mean, typically we love to go on site and I love yeah. to teach and we also have initiative about data science teaching. Uh, but COVID type of situation have uh, kind of uh, asked us to rethink um, and uh, for good actually in some cases. Mm -hmm. And, and yeah, so. I guess you, you taught at our kind of uh, company as well. You taught, teach a lot of our engineers about the computer vision and all that stuff, I guess. That was a wonderful experience. We would love to repeat that. But we can do it remotely, I guess, <laughs> as well. <laughs> so, so gentlemen, thank you very much for being with thank me. You. And I, I enjoyed the conversation. I'll probably get a hold of you two guys again. And maybe we can do a small series on, on the CI stuff for everyone. So sure. I'm right. talking to you and thank you very much again for being on the call and, and see right. you guys soon again. Bye-bye. Thanks. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to WeatherTech. We look forward to bringing you the latest industry news in our next episode. In the meantime, check out our other episodes at techcell.com slash podcast and be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel so that you never miss an episode.